Yeah. So I was saying that Division's album was better than War and Leisure, and you were saying no, it's not true, which is incorrect. But and you and you go on to say that the line is one of. Wait, did I say that or did you say it? One of us said the line is one of the best songs ever made. I love the line. But what what song on War and Leisure is beating that though? What song? Are you gonna say Banana Clip? Because if you say that, I'll leave. I'll leave the podcast (laughs) right now. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. This is season 7 episode 4 and you are here today with your host Eden and... Shopper. And just, just to let you guys know we are Don't Let The Stands. We are a music and culture podcast with a mark focused on stand culture. And it is usually hosted by Eden, Shopper and Nick. But Nick is not here for this season. Um, Shopper, how are you doing? How's your week been? <sighs> okay, it's one of them. Um, It's been very trying, very mm-hmm. tiring... I am extremely glad to be seeing the end of it and I'm looking forward to resting, although I do have some things that I'll be working on during this break, but I'm glad that's not my day job and I'm really looking forward to sleeping, uh, sinking myself into some books, some documentaries, some TV shows and food and if I get back on my fitness regimen, yeah, yeah, it's been non-existent for like three months. And that's okay. But um yeah we here we are i'm very glad to be seeing the end of capitalism um and yeah just continually uncovering um important lessons about my life as we approach the new year okay that's where we're at that's all good sorry if that sounds a bit dark and a bit uh hollow but here we are such is life now you sound like you're about to start resting which is good because the last few episodes you've been waiting for that break so i'm glad we're at that point now yeah, quite a few things have happened in kind of the UK recently. So this is for people who are outside of the UK, but we've gone back to working from home. So from next week, we'll be working from home because of the Omicron, aka the Omarion variant and his sister, which apparently is traveling around the UK at the moment. Um, and as a result, you know, we're all in, in our houses just trying to figure out what's going to go on for Christmas and all of those situations. So that's where we're currently at. Um, and in terms of me, I'm good. I'm in a good space. I will miss going into London to kind of work two days a week. Um, but you know, we got to do what we got to do to protect the people, protect the elderly and all those, um, who have conditions that might be affected by COVID. But other than that, I'm good, man. I'm in a really good space. I'm really happy. And you know, everything is going good. I can't complain. Knockwood, evil ice and out there, all that type of stuff. So, you know, we usually check in, see how listeners are doing. So how is everyone doing? With this news of Omicron and everything going on in the UK as well, how is everyone? Have you had something to drink? Have you had something to eat? What are you listening to at the moment? Like, what's going on in your life? Like, feel free to join us in the conversation at DATSPOD. That's us on all social medias. And just let us know what you're listening to, where you're at. Um, you know, we we'll always have to have conversations about music or kind of just anything in general. So just give us a shoot and we're happy to reply. Cool. We'll go straight into the music section. So, Shopee, go ahead. Right, so um, as it's been um, two weeks since we've recorded, um, I feel it would be appropriate to come to you guys with quite a few, and I hope you enjoy. It's quite a um, diverse range of sounds and genres and eras. So I'm going to start off with um, a lady that um, is just I'm just such such a fan of, and 
I've definitely really been listening to this project a lot since it dropped, but I definitely would say over the last two weeks, it's really, 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 really been repeat. And that's Thames. Um, I think you all know, I think all, all three of us, um, Eden, Nick and I have all said throughout the last year and a half, two years that we love this girl. Yep. So um, I can't remember when, but I think maybe August, September, she dropped her latest EP, If Orange Was a Place. And I've definitely been, I can definitely say I've, like revisited it in some way quite often since it came out but I know these last few weeks and obviously then seeing her at the MOBAs where I was working and seeing her seeing the clips of her the Whiskey show she's really just been around in terms of like I guess the culture inverted commas so I've really been playing her out and it's only five songs but it's just short and sweet and it really does the job it's just a really satisfying listen I just love, love, love her voice. I love her diction. I love her delivery. I love the way she glides over a beat. And I love the songwriting. I love the production. It's just like so many different elements. It's just so redundant to call her an Afrobeats artist, an Afropop artist, <coughs> as we do for any Nigerian or West African artist. Like there were, uh, there's a coalescence of different sounds there, but of course you can really feel that you know, that Nigerian root, that Nigerian spirit and everything she's doing, especially in, like, crazy things. But then my first favorite songs... I mean, I love the whole project, um, but I really, really love the last three. Replay, Avoid Things, Vibe Out. That is a trifecta of brilliance. Like, it's just... Uh, I... these, these words you're using. Coalescence, trifecta. I love it. Come come through English graduates. I love it. Yes. I love it. I don't yeah, they just really have just been on repeat and they just really stick like grits. They just really have been they really stuck with me and I just yeah, it's really a, a perfect project, to be honest. I can't really like every song on there is really good. And I'm just so happy to see her grow and evolve and get new fans. And I actually just got t- got tickets to see her live next year in July. She's gonna be part of the Somerset House series. So me and my friend are going to go see her because unfortunately, you Nick sold out the, the Coco um, dates <laughs> in June. But thank you for doing another day. And I'm looking forward to seeing her because I did see her briefly at MOBA, but I was running around like a headless chicken doing PR by Shopware. Um, but, um, and also seeing the clips from the recent show she did like last week and also the Whiskered stuff. But then also, I just, I also want to hear the older songs too. Like Try Me... Free mind, iced tea, like so. I'm just, I'm just so, so excited for this girl, for where she's gonna grow, what she's gonna do, um, and I really hope that her team just makes sure that she's here to last. Day. It's not just a trend and not just a wave. While Essence is doing well, I want this to be beyond, and also that mm, mediocre Drake song, hmm. Fountains. Um, and you know what? I, I like that song. I'll, it is a good I'll, song. I'll give, I'll give him some leeway for that one. But the album is still a no. He still should be ashamed of himself. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's the first one, Thames. Can I ask you a question? Go on. Sorry, were you finished? On Thames I am, yes, but go on. What's your question? Does Thames remind you of um, Tracy Chapman? No, but I'm intrigued to see why you would say that. Um, not in terms of career or anything along those lines, but in terms of tone and kind of... Um, actually, now that you mentioned that, sings. I could hear that, actually. I actually could hear that. And I definitely could hear her on some... Tracy Chapman-esque songs like those acoustic, folky. I could. I could, because even High is very much um, a very standard, just her a go- guitar and a vocal. I could hear her on something like that. Yeah, because I was 
I can't remember where I was. I think I was at my friend Ari's house and she was playing some um, Thames. And I was like, you know, this sounds, you know, it doesn't sound like Tracy Chapman, but like there's something that's very familiar no. in the music when I hear it. And I'm just like, it sounds can, familiar. I could hear that. And even now that you mention it, I even hear bits of Macy Gray in her tone. Yeah, that rasp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, t- Thames's tone is is gorgeous she just has a beautiful beautiful like i said her phrasing her diction and Mm. you know just like the way um her voice glides and even like i feel like she is strange like the beauty and the grace isn't about the notes she's hitting or her her ad-libs of run but like it's just like a a, an emotion yep yeah it's emotionally rich yeah yes emotionally rich hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's Thames. Um, next up, I'm going to go to Obong, Jaya, and Sars. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, so they, um, they also... Hey guys, apologies. For some reason, there's loads of static in Chope's mic, and I'm currently editing the episode, but can't seem to remove it. So I'm just going to apologize for the static in your ear right now. This is something we're really trying to work on, and we think it's because we're recording... Recording? Recording online at the moment. Um, over the internet and it's causing a few issues so we're just going to try and fix this for the next episode but I'm going to try and remove as much static as I can Um, but again apologies for all the static that's happening in your ear right now cool enjoy the episode peace Obong Jaya and Sars probably have one of my favorite projects of this year so they released a four song EP called Sweetness I don't know when but it was definitely some point in the last three months Um, and it's banging it's just banging and I was not I've never actually listened to anything Obong Jai's music prior to this, but I will going forward. And Sars, obviously, as we know, one of um the a, a famed Afrobeats producer. He's done loads of stuff with like uh Wizkid and One Day Cole and Burner Boy and loads of other rise. So great producer who many of us are familiar with. Niliola as well. He's also worked with. So they have a joint project now called Sweetness. And what I really loved was that. Not only once again, like each song is a banger, especially Gone Girl, that's probably my favorite, but it's just such an interesting project sonically because, like, it very much is like highly influenced by Afrobeats, but like, there's also like it, it mixes like Phil Collins esque 80s sounds, but I, I kind of even get early Sade kind of vibe as mm. well. And I just never really thought about, and even kind of Omar as well, actually, like early Omar. And I really never thought those sounds would really work together, but it does. Kind of like, there's like, yeah, I don't know, but it just really, really, really works. I just, it's such an interesting mixture of sounds sonically, but it's banging, it's banging, and I just love Obong Jai's voice. Like, it's just got this really interesting, breathy whisper, but it's like it feels very firm, and it feels like you really feel like the intention and really like a yearning in his voice like i know i don't really say but they have they've worked there they've created something really special here only four songs but really really good i recommend the whole project um and i feel like it's kind of like a good it's a good bridge project so like for any traditional afrobeats fans you definitely will enjoy a song like nobody but i feel like for those who kind of do like you know a lot of like synth music from the 80s or even like some new wave like um eurythmics kind of vibes it's that too so i feel like it does a good job of really bringing it could really be bringing communities together because like it really is tapping in from quite different vastly different worlds 
So, um, yeah, Sweetness by Obong Jaya and Sars. That's my mm. next one. Next up, we're going to go to Tweet. Not not Tweet as in Twitter, the singer Tweet, who was there before. Um, so sh- Look at you educating the younglings. No, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, and I just feel like it's such a shame that her name has just been um, usurped by this app that has ruined lives. Um <laughs> But um, so shout out to um, one of our followers, one of my favorite people on Twitter called at Corners941. Um, love, love this person's profile. This is it's basically like if you want to learn about the history of respect of great R&B and soul pop greats, go to this page on Twitter. But they interact with our page and mine personally a lot. So shout out to you. Love you. So uh, they tweeted uh, how next year marks 20 years since... Tweets Southern Hummingbird, Ashanti's debut album, In Reason's Full Moon, or 2020 next year. And I love all four of those albums. I actually wrote an article about those same four albums in 2017 when they all turned 15. And I was like, wow, these albums all turn 20 next year. Wow, amazing, crazy. Um, and then I randomly just kind of like just revisited Southern Hummingbird, not the whole album, but just particular songs. And I just will just have to say that Tweet's first album is truly, truly a classic of the 2000s and truly a hidden gem. And I feel like we just know her, well, not we, not me, because I have sense. Um, People know her largely for Oops Oh My. But that song is not at all reflective of the talent that she really is and the artist that she truly is. Like, it's such a beautiful collection of written songs, like neo soul, folk, acoustic music, um, gospel. It's just such a. I don't really know. It's just I would say like that's the album you play around a campfire, about the singles, because they were clearly strategic and clearly done for the label to sell the album, which you know paid off in the end. But when I hear the album, and I'm Eden actually. I'm actually I thought about you earlier when I was playing this song. Actually, I want you after you record to play the song heaven okay. on the album but then you may do you know what's just, just interesting about this Chope sets me homework and the other night <laughs> at 2am <laughs> I got a message from Chope and he was like have you listened to this song yet what song was it again Linda Dawn Move but I also sent you I sent yeah, you three other it. songs of hers but we'll start with Move yeah he sent me a message at 2am and it's just like have you listened to this yet I said to him you're messaging me this at 2 a.m. <laughs> at 2 a.m. But yeah, he literally sets me on my I'll give it a listen. So, yeah, but the whole album, and I'm just like, you know, I think about smoking cigarettes. Tune! My place. Tune! Make your move. Banger. The original version of Boogie Tonight, not the Candy Love version, Beauty Love version. That's a good version, but the original's tweet. Um, Drunk. Just a great, great project. So please check that out, guys. Next up, we have Estelle. Um, I don't know where this came from. I don't know why it came to my spirit, but her Shine album from 2008. I don't know what song came to me, but I only played the whole album. And I don't think I'd played that album in its entirety for a good, like, 10 years. I don't think so. Like, it had been a long time. And I was just like, what an album! What a great album. Estelle really came through with that album obviously best known for the single american boy mm. but beyond that no substitute love wait a minute just touch more than friends some great reggae vibes with come over and magnificent some great doo-wop vibes of pretty please 
It's such a, mm. it's such a good album, such a good album. And I really Estelle really doesn't get her flowers. No, because she was one of the first to do it really big in America, from like the UK. And I feel like after that, she's done a lot behind the scenes, a lot of voiceover work, and released a great album like Lovers Rock. The album, I mean, was I'm, I, incredible. That album still doesn't resonate with my spirit, but. But maybe it's a cultural thing for me, though, because like listening to it, I felt very connected to my Jamaican roots. And that's, and you know what? And that's fair. But I also love reggae and lovers rock. And I, I just, I just don't feel. (laughs) But we love you still. Yeah, we do. But Shine, just such, such a great album that I had forgotten about. I had really, I cannot, I can say I honestly had not listened to it at all in the last like 10, 12 years. And I was like, what an album, and it's held up well. So, so to revisit it with my my 26-year-old brain all these years later, I'm like, this still sounds good. And it's aging mm. very well, more than Friends. And I just look, and I really wish that the single, other singles were pushed the same way American Boy was, because these songs, some of these songs should have been bigger than they were, if not here, at least in the States, but labels are stupid. Um, so shout out to her. And then I've got two more now. So these are just individual songs. So um, I've definitely, I mean, I've always been this way, but I definitely would say um, in the last year, owing to my obsession of Linton Dawn, but also one of my dear friends, I won't say his name, but he's known as Brother Lamb, you know who you are. Um, we He is like a massive, like, 80s disco, R&B funk head. And it's not because of him that I know the song, but I was recommended the song by someone else, by this band called Clear. I'm going to go on their Spotify now. And um, they were a New York um, like funk disco band active in like the late seventies to like nine eighty six something like that. And don't really know much about them. I think they had a few hits, but the point is the songs are bangers, 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 bangers. So I'm um, a shout out in particular this song called Tonight from their nine eighty four album Intimate Connection. I just really like I said I really think that the early eighties. Um is a really underrated period in the R&B soul canon. I really feel like we also got the 70s or the 90s, early 2000s, but the late 70s, early 80s, we bands like Clear and the SOS band and M2 May and Patrice Russian and like, uh, I can't remember what they're called, Average White Band, uh, D-Train, like so many, that like, so, in Unlimited Touch, Kashif, that, that era of Michelin Thinking, underrated lakeside i could go on there was a, some there was a really special crack that was cracking mm. around that around that period so i want to shout the song tonight i just love it's just such a groove it's just such a groove and a lot of those songs were simple were quite simple the greatness was really in the simplicity it's like it's not really too many lyrics or too many vocals it's just they kind of just have a, a bass line that sticks with you but they kind of build it on it a little bit then take it back down Read on it. So shout out tonight by Clear. Tune! And last but not least, we are revisiting my house bag once again. You guys know that I've definitely been coming into my instance bag over the last couple of years, but definitely this past year. So I'm going to shout out um, Frankie Knuckles and Adiva, two house legends, and I'm going to make it clear again to black people. We want black people to know that this is our, this is our genre. This is us. It's our culture. It's our people. Do you know what? Actually, finish your point. Finish no, your go point. on. I was going to say, so um, a listener called me out on um, saying that I listen to alternative music one day. 
on one of the podcast episodes. I can't remember who it was. So I apologize. I can't remember you're at. Um, and I saw Chopin replied that there is the reason that some people say that they listen to alternative music is because we don't assume we played a part in creating that genre. So absolutely correct. I think that is something that has subconsciously been ingrained in me in particular. I can't talk for everyone. So the fact that you're trying to really um, show how important we were to, you know, uns uns music, I commend you for that because we do need to come, become more aware of the fact that we played a massive role, if not created majority of these kind of genres. But I just wanted to say that just quickly. Yes, we did. We did. And Frankie Knuckles is one of the pioneers of that sound. And a diva is one of the queens of house music. And really... So they have an album together called Welcome to My World, um, which came out in... No, sorry, Welcome to the Real World, which came out in 1995. And I fell in love with that a few months ago. And I actually also bought a diva's first album with vinyl when I was in Bristol. Shout out to, shout out to Bristol, shout out to my vinyl collection, which I'm totally in love with. It's growing every, it's growing every month. Mm. I love to see it. Um, you know, they have a song um, called Walking on that album, which is basically gospel house music. Cause it's a gospel song. It's about Jesus, it's about team Jesus, team soldiers for Christ, but it's a house song. And it's a, um, respectfully it's a banger i was gonna say <laughs> the f word it's a chew it's just so exuberant so exhilarating so freeing the vocal is amazing they have the ricky did it quiet in the background but then it just has these great um drum pans and synths it's a chew <laughs> like the, the whole album but that song in particular walk in please mm. whatever you're doing in life please go play that song and i also found um a remix of it early this week. Um, let me find what it's called. It's called the Divine Gospel Remix. It's basically like a 12-minute remix and it's just absolutely fantastic. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. And I'm just really loving um, getting into these sounds because like, and I've definitely been delving into a lot of black rock musicians this year and black electronic artists, house, jungle, uh, techno. Uh, shout out to another girl called Neo Archives who I won't discuss to you today, but she's amazing, 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 amazing. I think she's a young girl. Came out recently. I definitely be recommending kind of future, but took her later. But no, I'm not, it's not even necessarily about the whole. Oh, I want people to be reminded that these are our genres, these are our sounds, that our people created them. It's just good music. Like it's just mm. good music, but. I think for so many years, we're like, and even me myself, I was going over too back, <clears throat> back in the day. Oh, that's for white people. Oh, that's white people music. Da, 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 da. Mm. No, no. Even yesterday, I just discovered a great producer called Quentin Harris, and he's a black electronic producer, and the music is amazing. Mm. I only discovered him yesterday, though. I may discuss him later. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's it for me. Thames, Obong Jaya and Sars, Tweet, Estelle, Clear, Frankie Knuckles, and Adiva. Hallelujah. Either Mackenzie Goddard. Cool. And I just want to say the listener that um made that alternative comment, his at is T E E W J underscore. Um so yeah, thank you for that. Alright, cool. So it's my go. So I've been I'm gonna go over things that I've listened to this week, but some things that I've wanted to bring to the podcast in our break as well. Um there's a backlog of things that I've been listening to um and wanted to bring at different points. So this week I'm gonna start with an album that was recommended to me by Someone from another podcast called The Bad Film Club. So shout out Shanaina and thank you for this um, recommendation. So this project is called Damn She's Tamil and it's by an artist called Priya Rigu. So Priya Rigu is doing a lot kind of in the R&B space at the moment. Um, she is a South Asian 
um, Swiss artist. So she is Tamil and Sri Lankan. Yeah, I've just been listening to her music a lot lately. Let me give you her background, actually. So she grew up in in Switzerland as a result of the civil war in Sri Lanka, which happened in the 1980s. It was the same kind of war that brought MIA's parents to London. As a result, her parents were kind of performers and they were in bands and stuff like that, but they kind of became very conservative. Um, her dad made music for like Hollywood, which was a, which is, sorry, a um, film industry that is in South Asia and came over here, but they became very conservative. They didn't like the idea of Western music MTV, all of these different types of things. They thought it was really obscene. And um, she was just really passionate. Her and her brother were really passionate about making music. So she came to Switzerland and made music and kind of blew up in kind of the UK and around the world. She is um, 35 years old and she kind of released, she said she released music quite late, sorry. But I'm really enjoying this album at the moment. It's really something that is just really in the background, but it's a vibe. Like I can hear it in a club. Um, there's a song on there called Lemon Chicken Rice. Let me just double check if that is what it's called. Chicken Lemon Rice, my apologies. So Chicken Lemon Rice, which is a banger. Um, it's got loads of kind of, all I can describe is like a, a, a club, like anthem. Like I want to hear that in the club. Eventually, if we ever do go back to clubs at some point in our lives. Um, but it's just a vibe, this entire album. Delhi is a banger. Lighthouse is a banger. Forgot About is a banger. The entire album for me was really good. And I feel like in terms of representation, it's just really good kind of seeing the South Asian representation grow in the R&B field because I was personally, I'm quite intrigued to kind of see where that goes and kind of um, more artists. Because I feel we always go back to MIA and we kind of say, you know, MIA is the representation. But I'm intrigued to see all of the different um, sounds and um, kind of instruments that will be brought to R&B and all of the different genres as a result of South Asian representation. Um, so that's Priya Ragu, and I would definitely say listen to this album and let us know what you think at D-A-T-S-P-O-D. That's pretty much all I had on her. I think I will move on to the next person. I will just say quickly, shout out to Jotty. Um, so Jotty worked on Rinse FM. She was a DJ and um, kind of has a YouTube channel where she interviews loads of artists as well. So a lot of the information I got is actually from her YouTube channel. So do check out her YouTube. Um, it's spelled J-Y-O-T-Y um, and just like listen to our interviews and see what she has to talk about um next i'm going to move on to someone who has musically emotionally spiritually been there for me in terms of her music it's just beautiful and i've been recommending her to all of my friends i don't actually think i sent it to shopee because i'm always a bit wary about sending music to shopee in case it's bad in case he doesn't like it i might have sent it to you though i'm not sure i might have sent it to you but anyway natalie lauren so natalie lauren you definitely didn't say that to me Okay, well, I'll, I'll send it to you at some point. Natalie Lauren has an album called Handle With Care, which is just beautiful. Like, emotionally, it is just... I, I honestly can't describe how beautiful this album is. It's a very kind of self-care type of album. Um, the first song on there, the chorus is basically saying, show up for myself and talking about self-care and being there for yourself and... I'm really supporting yourself but the whole theme throughout the entire project is about kind of sharing love being in a space of love like there's talk about meditation and um spirituality she's she's quite religious so there's kind of like references to god and kind of that relationship but overall the feeling of the album is really healing like just sitting here and just kind of experiencing the music it's like being in a room full of sparkles like you feel like 
you're listening to someone who has experienced miracles and they're trying to really introduce you to that through her music. Um, so this album, like there are so many songs on here that are just beautiful. That's literally how I can describe it. And I'll kind of list them off for you so you can take a listen and let us know what you think as well. Um, but to give you some background, so she, this is her first um, studio album and um, it came from Rostrum Records. She is a kind of Christian hip hop slash R&B artist, but she's just incredible as an artist. And I'll definitely say guys, check her out if you, you're in a space of self-love at the moment. But Good God Morning is a beautiful song. Um, definitely listen to that. Bra Off is kind of, it's funny because the song I think is made for black women, but I'm just really enjoying the freedom that comes from the music. Um, like the first lyric is like, first thing I'm gonna do is take my bra off, um, let my hair down, something, something else. It's like really carefree. This is what's gonna happen when I let go and I'm away from capitalism and all these different types of things. So I'll definitely recommend Bra Off. Superhuman is a song about love and protecting people um, from the kind of dangers of the world and all these different types of things. But my favorite, absolute favorite song is Back to Love. That song is so beautiful. And just from my own personal experience, because I think it helps to really understand what ears you're listening to music with. Um, when I was at a particularly bad place in my life and I sat down and I listened to Back to Love, it kind of reminded it reminded me personally of how beautiful um, like life is. Like it just reminded me of what we're surrounded by. And I hope you guys get to experience that as well because this album is really touched me. Um, and I just wanted to share that with you guys. So if you're in a place where you kind of want to feel the magic of music, I would say listen to Handle With Care by Natalie Lauren and just let us know what you think at D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Um, and yeah, that's my second listen. Last but not least, I tried to get this song to see if we can play it on the podcast, but I don't know, they didn't reply. <laughs> so <laughs> the next artist is Devin Tracy and um, the, the album is called Don't Take It Personal. So Devin Tracy is a Florida native um, and this album came out in 2021. And the best way I can describe it is it's very therapeutic. Um, a lot of the kind of things he talks about, there's a song on there called Therapy um, that just is, it's him talking about his life, but also, you know, really kind of letting people in and talking about his experience, his life and all of these different types of things. So I would definitely say if you're in a space of reflection, this is the EP for you. I said it was an album before. I actually think it's an EP. An EP. So check it out when you can. Um, I will say when I first listened to this album, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman. And I don't know if that's something that I don't know. That's just his voice, really. But kind of when I was listening to it, I didn't really know at all. Maybe it's just my ears, but kind of from what I was listening to, I, c I couldn't get a feel for it was. But I actually really enjoyed that because it was a it was a kind of different experience when listening to it. But my favorite song on there is a song called Goofy Ass. And um, that sounds so weird in a British accent, but that's my favorite song on there. And I would say listen to that first and then listen to... Um, Actually, let me not ruin the experience. You guys tell me what your kind of favorite song on this album is and we'll listen. So that those are my listens for the week. We've got Devin Tracy. We've got Priya Rigu and we've also got Natalie Lauren. That was kind of all over the place, but I hope you guys managed to listen to these albums and kind of let us know what you think at D-A-T-S-P-O-D. And that is me. Cool. Um, no Nick. 
Um, so let us know what you guys are listening to, what you've been listening to for the week. I've been seeing a few conversations about this Alicia Keys album and um, people seem to be really loving it That's for some reason. Uh, wait, that sounded shady. Not for some reason. <laughs> Not for some reason. People seem to really be enjoying it. I mean, well, let's be honest. I didn't mean it like that, though. Genuinely, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, I am actually intrigued to listen to this album because, yes, not even just um, people I've seen online, but even the reviews, like, I saw, well, The Guardian gave it two stars, but other publications have given it very strong reviews. And obviously, I am a huge, massive Alicia Keys fan, in spite of her recent um, pitfalls over the last couple of albums. She'll forever be one of my favourite singers, forever. Mm be one of her singers but i am intrigued because i'm seeing people say some good things about this album so it probably will be something i discuss next week because um she'll i will always give her a listen because that's my girl always and forever even if that last album was forgettable yeah um, and it was yeah and that single what was it um hanging with the busters what, what song was that hanging with the what's that what song was it wait hold on underdog you know yeah, that's oh, it. Awful, that's it. Awful song. It was not good <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't know why she's out here doing songs with Twin One Savage, but Well, we know why. We know why. Rap is the biggest genre in the world, you know. But, we know why. You know what? We're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. Maybe that'll be a conversation next week because there's definitely a wider Nishigi's discussion to be had, which I've had a, a few times this week or so with a few people, but Forever My Girl. Yeah. Forever my girl, respecting legends, respect her because I will say you guys need to respect her because you guys disrespect her. I don't like that. Stop it. Are you saying this because an Alicia Keys stand came for you? No, not even that. I mean, I don't even know why because like Alicia knows that I'm also an Alicia Keys stand. So, but we need to tell the truth. Um, <laughs> no, but I did see someone say like because she did like some interview with I think Drink Ch- Drink Champs or something, and then she's like, mm-hmm. "Just do another verse." And I know like, you don't, but I was like, "Okay, do." <laughs> and then she said, uh, "Be or Rihanna." Then people were like, "Alicia Keys doesn't have the hits." So I'm like. Go on Wikipedia. Go on Google. The receipts are there. She could take on Rihanna. I and don't know Beyonce. about Beyonce. I don't, yes, I, she could. You think she could take on Beyonce? Yes. For hits. On singers. Is, is, this is, like, we're going to get into that today. We're going to get into that today. But people really try and play. I'm sorry, you're going to catch strays. But people try and play. Literally, she's like, she's a Chantel Sierra. She's not in that number. <laughs> <laughs> Everyday strays, man. Alicia Keys is not Kerry Hilson. She's not Maya. She's not Deborah Cox. And that's no shade to any of those ladies because I love them all. But people, but it is but people, but people really try and play like Alicia Keys. Like, let's not forget, she is she. It was one of the best selling female artists of the two thousands, and one and probably the biggest thing R and B female artists of two thousands. That's right, even more than Beyonce selling more albums. Mm. Nine number one singles. Let's not play with her. <laughs> yeah. Say what you want about her recent music. Say what we want about her, but her live performances. Say what, what about her allegedly being a home wrecker. Fine. But what we will not do is lie on her name. <laughs> yeah. Alicia Keys has hits upon hits, and she has albums. She has catalog. Respect her. Respect her. Okay. Well, Shopee has spoken. Shopee has spoken. This is a cover drive. Whoa, we're not here in Barbados. We're not here in Barbados. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. Oh, she has a from Telbus. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we've had some, we had some L's in, in Barbados. But, but the point is, you, you guys, just like Sabrina Mars is not Shawn Mendes, Alicia Keys is not Sierra. 
That still kills me to this day. <laughs> All right, my last listen. Respect her. Last listen. Onto something, Jayla Darden. I spoke about it all when it came out in 2019, 2020. I listened to this album in the Novembers and Decembers, and it's one of my favorite albums to be released in the last two years. Um, but incredible project. Jayla Darden is something special. Aaliyah references. We've spoken about it before on the podcast, but she is she's incredible. Her latest music, I'm not too big on, but this project in particular was just phenomenal for me. Emotionally, I've used it already, but it's very emotionally rich, very light, very airy. And um, she plays all of the instruments that are on the album, produces all of it. And it's just incredible. Honestly, incredible. But we'll move on to the new section. So let's go shopping. Our Canadian angel. Toronto's very own. The, the, the man who gave us certain life that I love a boy, that we didn't ask for it. We're not, no. Okay. Because I'm going to be called a stan. But this man has done a lot more than give us that album. Let's he not has, do that. but in recent years, he, he, no. Um, so he has decided to withdraw his 2022 Grammy nominations. So he had been up for best rap album for So Far Love a Boy, hilarious, and best rap performance for Major <laughs> Sexy, also hilarious. But he's for some reason decided to withdraw his nominations. He has not given a statement or a reason. It has just been done. But it is the it is kind of the it kind of does make sense given his rocky history with the awards. Like I think in twenty nineteen awards when he won for God's Plan, which once again hilarious. Um, he threw shade at the Grammys while winning a Grammy at the Grammys, and um, and then even <laughs> like I think after the weekend was snubbed, he was like, we need to stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by these award shows and create something new that we can that we can build upon in the future. So it's not really a surprise, but it is interesting. Cause I don't, I think I can't really think of a time where that's happened before. Like someone's been nominated and, and then withdrew them. Cause obviously Drake's label, they would submit them unless they would, unless they're done without his consent or he does it without them knowing. Cause obviously a win for Drake is a win for his label and a win for these, these, um, elder statesmen in these um, companies but um, it is very interesting it's very interesting especially in the life of you know, how Bikini has also decided that he will no longer be submitting his music through his music anymore so I know Drake will never say anything but I would like to actually find out why but um, yes either because you got your thoughts Um, I feel like there's a bit of a trend now with a lot of artists to kind of seem anti-Grammys so I kind of question how kind of authentic this is um, I don't know if he necessarily would have won oh, no. these awards. Oh, no. no. No, no, So I'm just a bit intrigued of what... Because he's arguably the... Not, not even arguably. The biggest rapper in the game right now. Like, he is the biggest. So for him to pull a move like this, I think is going to make a massive difference to how the artists who are coming up are going to see the Grammys and kind of interact with that kind of label that they receive when they're nominated or even win an award. But there is still an air of it being very important to the industry and to a lot of people as well. For good reason in some cases, because it does make a massive difference when you have Grammy nominated next to your name now or kind of just Grammy award winning um, kind of in your byline. So I just think it's interesting, but I kind of question what... I mean, we've said this before and I know it might sound to listeners like we've kind of exhausted this exhaustion of the Grammys, but it's really genuine. There is a fatigue when it comes to the repeated conversation of 
you know, these awards don't seem to be there to really support music in general. It's more about popularity or kind of um, nepotism in a lot of situations. So I don't know. I kind of, Drake is probably one of the most well-connected artists in the game right now. Um, so I don't know how this will affect other people with their Grammy nominations and how they will kind of interact or appreciate or not appreciate getting nominated. Um, I don't really see it as a massive thing, but it is a bold move. Um, but I didn't think he was going to win any of the things he was nominated for anyway. So I'm glad you said that because he wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that, to be honest. But I want to say that I think that I think it'll be really, really interesting to see how the culture around award shows will continue to develop will grow in these next few years because yes you may say it's a trend but more than ever artists producers are being way more outspoken about mm. which is especially the grammys now so it, i do wonder like what will happen going forward and i do think that this is quite a very bold step like i said i can't mm-hmm. really think of anyone that's ever happened who's done that in the past yeah i hear what you're saying I think it reminds me of when I think it was in the 90s where Will Smith and a few of the hip hop artists boycotted yes, the Grammys. Yes. So yes, I know that whole boycott yes. and not kind of going to the award shows has been a thing for a while. Like Kanye, I think, hasn't gone to a few. I think Drake hasn't appeared at a few Gra- Grammy awards. Um, you know, we had the whole situation where Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift. And, you know, there is there has that was the VMAs. Oh, was it VMAs? Oh, my bad. But even saying that, just awards in general, there has been backlash when people feel like people have been snubbed or kind of there's been genres that have been ignored or people like Tyler, the creator, has been put in the wrong category when he that album wasn't a rap album, like he said. Um, You know, there's been so many situations where people have come back and said this isn't working anymore. And I feel like because rap in general is becoming... Like, we've got people who are kind of rap artists, but they don't necessarily make rap music. Like, they've developed much further in their careers and decided they want to kind of change their sound a bit. Like, Tyler, the creator, is someone that I'm thinking of, for example. Childish Gambino and um, quite a few different artists. So, yeah, putting people in boxes and then trying to nominate them on that basis is becoming slightly difficult to kind of say, okay, like, for example, this isn't the Grammys, but Doja Cat being in an R&B category that is something that you know we look at and we say or the weekend exactly it doesn't really work anymore because you know genres are evolving the sounds are evolving and yeah it's not working Mm. so yeah it would definitely be interesting to see what happens because you know like i said drake is like you said he is one of the biggest rappers if not the biggest rapper so what what other um, stature follow suit in future years because drake at this point is nothing to lose like he's solidified he's here to stay and he really has like three or four grammys anyway so so like yep like Grammy. but do you think he would have pulled out if it was likely that he would have he was going to win it because i I think i think there's a part of him that knew he wasn't going to win the awards i don't think he has though because as we saw he won two years ago for god's plan he he was throwing shade at them at the show. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I don't think he really. I don't think he really cared. I don't yeah. think so. But my thing is, why would you be submitting it? Because I'm sure he was aware that his music would be submitted. And obviously, the announced the awards, the nominations came out um, a few weeks ago. And yes, I'm still confused at her having eight nominations. Um, it has to be said. Um, <laughs> um but um yeah so why now 
Like, what did he just find out? Because that's why I'm confused. Because unlike the weekend, who obviously has made the conscious effort, so none of his music has been nominated this year because he's decided I'm not. But Drake's obviously was. So what happens in the last two weeks? That's what I want to know. But I know mm. when we get those answers because Drake doesn't do interviews and he doesn't really put out statements like that. So. We'll never know, but hopefully someone from his management team or OVO says something or Division can come out of hiding because they're not doing much anyway. They can they can tell us, they can let us know what Drake's mindset is. Um, it's not why I'm smiling, but... I'm smiling because it's true. Like, Division are in hiding. I haven't heard... Did they release an album recently? No, they released something recently. They released a project of Ty Dolla Sign. Which is a weird pairing. Yeah, but... and I listened to it once and I was like, okay... They're very talented. That's the thing that upsets me. But very, very you know, talented. You know what my what my stance on them? This is what you know. What, this is something I don't think we've spoken about on this podcast. That's yes, actually what started. What that? That's the reason we started the podcast. No, we started the podcast because you said War and Asia wasn't a good album. Yeah, because you no, we said it was Miguel versus Division. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was saying that Division's album was better than War and Leisure. No, that's not true. And you were saying no, it's not true, which is incorrect. But and you and you go on to say that the line is one of the, wait did I say that or did you say it? One of us said the line is one of the best songs ever made. I the love the line. But love what what line. song on More and Leisure is beating that though? What song? Are you gonna say Banana Clip? Because if you say that, I'll leave. I'll leave the podcast <laughs> right now. Well, no, no song on More and Leisure is beating the line. No, of course not. But as an overall body of work, More and Leisure is better than September fifth. When's the last time you played it? Whenever it like twenty nineteen or something, whenever it came out. But the point is, let me. In fact, let's get the track listing up right now. I'm sorry. What of War and Leisure? No, of September fifth. Let me go get it. I'm sorry. Beyond hallucinations, too deep with me, the line, and maybe Angela. The rest of the album is forgettable. You know what's so funny? We've done this <laughs> so many times, <laughs> like the same songs over and over again. Because it's true. Okay, but let's look at War and Leisure. Yes, let's yes, let's look at War and Leisure. Pineapple yes, Sky slaps. Yes. Banana Skywalker. Clips. No. Yes. No. It does not slap. Wolf. 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 You and wolf, Nick keep saying this, wolf, but the song is not wolf, good. <laughs> I don't wolf, understand. Wolf. And, I, and if I have an interview with my girl one day, which I do, will do, by God's grace, one day I will. Hallelujah. I will cuss him for not making that song longer. That should have been a six-minute song. He should have gone off with ad-lib, with a guitar solo, an extended, like, Caramella Duro banging come through and chill but not the j cole version um anointed told you so eden please no eden, i'm sorry Shopee. no i'm eden, sorry please. anyway listeners you be the judge i don't think we've actually asked this before and i've seen you can do polls on spotify now so i don't know if i want to do this again because the last yes. time i did this i lost yes, and Shopee put us the picture for our group chat yes, you did. and it's, it's been that picture for the last three years so, so but, but people, if you actually but think people are in bondage with the division album, so I actually may lose this time. Just like people, okay. Just like people think Small Walker's first album is good, even though it's not. Um, people are in bondage of that album. For some it's reason. a, it's a great. I enjoyed um, that album. No, it's not. Okay, all right. So the poll question is: War and Leisure versus September Fifth. Which one is better, in your opinion? Feel free to click on your screen. I, I think there's a poll. We've never done this before. There's going to be a poll on your screen. Click the button and let us know what you think. Because I'm tired of this argument. We've had it for three years now. It's time to put this to bed. Make sure you vote September 5th. Wait, how are Anyways, you on, on the app? Yeah, yeah, on Spotify, they've got this new thing where you can put polls on the podcast and people can click on it and interact with it. How does that work? So we'll give it. A, I don't even know. We'll figure it out. We'll put it out there and see what happens. 
So when you click September, just test it now. Click no. September fifth no. and see yeah, if it works. <laughs> Anyway, so next up, No Name. So No Name has mm-hmm. come out and basically said that her highly anticipated album, Factory Baby, which would have been the follow-up to her 2018 album, Room 25, um, will no longer be happening. Mm-hmm. And so let me actually find the mm. statement, the full statement, because I think it's just summed up quite well. So let me find it. So she said, most days I'm not sure if, I ever, if I'll ever make music again. Oops, hurry up. The last time I was consistently making songs was four years ago. It's been so hard to find producers to link up with and who I genuinely connect with sonically. I'm truly grateful for the art I was able to release, but that might be it for me. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. No lie, this shit actually makes me incredibly sad and I really need to quit these days. I don't want to keep lying and saying there's an album on the way when there's not. I'm sorry I've led you guys on. I wanted to believe things would change, but they haven't. So, when I first saw this, obviously I was like, girl, what are you doing? We've been waiting for this album. But then, as a fan of her, and watching her journey these last few mm. years, and how she's really just really been focused on community organizing and and really focusing on building up the No Name Book Club, which is about, you know... Um, providing resources about political literature and decolonizing literature and also getting those books to prisoners across the states she's really about that's really what her focus is right now and, and i tweeted a link to her rolling stone article interview that she did a few months ago and she even said that mm. she's been so engrossed in doing that she kind of even herself has figured out where's music gonna fit in mm-hmm. it's like she's kind of she's more passionate about this work she's doing for the community, for black prisoners, and just getting black people to read more in general, which I think is beautiful. I think it's amazing mm. that she's doing that. And like, she's really putting her money where her mouth is, and she's really actively striving to be anti-capitalist, like not taking brand deals, not even doing less promo mm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then seeing herself as a contractor rather than an artist. So it wasn't really surprising, because like, that's really where her heart has been these last two years, and that's really what she's been focusing on. And no name book up has come a long way in these last mm. two years. Like she's now, I believe she's now got chapters in twelve cities, and she said she mm. just built her first, what she calls it, the radical hood library. I can't remember what state it's in, but she's actually built a library now for black decolonized literature, and she's actually got a team who's working to deliver books, free books to prisoners all over the states. And I can't fault her for that, and I think it's amazing what she's doing because, as she said last year or two years ago, a lot of people's psychographies be about the plight but not actually be doing anything. And she's actually mm. doing shit. She's actually and not just tweeting, not just making songs, but she's actually doing on the ground tangible work to influence our community and the communities around us and really get us mm. to all think differently. Like I think we spoke about captive genders on Trans Awareness Week. I bought that book because of her. That that was that was a no name book club recommendation. Mm. That was an early book recommendation. So it was not surprising for me to see, to see this. Obviously, it's sad because I'm a fan of her music and I definitely would love more music. And I'd love to see where she's gone these last three years since the last project. But if that's where she's at, that's where she's at. Then also, I love that she's not a slave to expectations because I don't think she's done. I don't think she's done. I think she will return, but I just don't think it's going to be soon. I think it will just be when she's actually ready. She's not going to fall victim to the oh it's been three years ago I'll put something out just to put something out or 
got to make sure I'm just, you know, out here and, you know, make sure I've done something just so it looks like I'm, you know, I'm still relevant or whatever. Mm. I don't think her heart is still with music. It's just not there right now. And I think it's like, she'll come back to it when she really feels she's in the place to really commit herself and also is feeling creatively inspired to do so. But right now, she's on her organising shit. She's on her community-based work. Mm. And you know what? If that's what she's want to do, more power to her. The thing is, I was actually going to ask you, because um, we've, ha- <laughs> we've heard this before. We've heard artists come and say, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm, I'm done with the game. I'm thinking Jay-Z um, and some other artists who have said this in the past. And I feel like the reaction has kind of been, yeah, whatever. Like, whatever, you're going to come back at some point. But hearing you speak, it sounds like you genuinely, you're both happy for her, but also understand her need to step back as well, which I think is really important. Um, I think this is definitely a lesson in following your passion, but also understanding how, like, when it's okay to step away. And I feel like, you know, we're in the era where music is pretty much churned out every second now like you've got something new coming out every friday and then you've got someone kind of releasing a snippet on tiktok and it's going viral and you're just continuously interacting with artists so it's definitely commendable when anyone kind of takes a step back and says you know what right now i'm really passionate about this area of my life and i want to make sure that i invest all of my intention into this um side note actually because it's well she didn't actually say that but but like i said because the, the statement was obviously, she just said she's not really been feeling inspired, she's not been making music, and she's not connecting with producers. Yeah. But I'm looking at the subtext. Yeah. Someone who follows her her on Instagram, Twitter, I know what she's doing out of music, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that she's that, on that. And on that, and also in that release of the interview, I can't remember the quote, but she she did say she's wondering where music fits in her life now because she's just mm. so engrossed in doing it. She just seems so excited about building these libraries and building these communities and building book club chapters all over the States and hopefully worldwide, she says. Mm. That's what she's, that's what her heart, her passion is leading her mm. right now. So yeah. she didn't say and that I, I in the statement, that. but it's clear. That's, that's how you, yeah. Yeah. That's what you're hearing. Okay. No, I, I, I can hear that. And I, I, I can see that as well um, through the conversations we've had and kind of the, the way you've informed me about No Name as well. So yeah, I can definitely see that. And it's interesting the way kind of the universe and the world works because literally before this podcast, we were talking, Chopin and I, about a chapter from Luther Vandross's book where he was talking about kind of, you know, you know, investing in either your personal life or your business life. And, you know, No Name is basically, by the sounds of it, we can only assume choosing what she wants to invest in at the moment where her heart really is um and i hope that it really works out for her because you know educating prisoners is something that is very important for society in general and i think there's i think the stigma of you know prison jail all of these different types of things there needs to be kind of more of a push for re- um what's the word i'm looking for for um what's it called when you reintroduce someone back to society rehabilitation so there needs to be you need to be there needs to be more opportunity for rehabilitation give people the opportunity to read and learn unlearn um come back to society as better people because we need to just stop throwing people in holes and just leaving them there and then you know just expecting life to go on and not not have an end to the cycle so the fact that no name has these book suggestions to educate people about you know like Chope, for example, educating him about the transgender community and the plights they go through um, and educating um, 
I, I assume mostly black men about a lot of things that go on within their own community as I imagine there are black women prisoners as well that are in the book club as well um, but there's so much we can learn and I feel like No Name has been a real kind of educator for um, black Americans but also black people who are really tuned into her as well I won't say that's been my experience with her I'm not that deep into her catalogue I'm not that deep into her music but through Chopé I've definitely seen kind of him really engage with her as an individual and the things she stands for as well so yeah shout out to her man i wish her all the best and i sincerely hope that this book club really changes lives and really improves her own life as well although i feel like it's really a selfless venture which is something we should always applaud so yeah it is and the thing is i really highly recommend that everyone read that ronison interview because reading the interview it's not, you really get a sense that she's so self-aware of not trying to come across as a bit mm-hmm. self-serving. She's really just like, mm-hmm. it's not about me. She's really just trying to change the lives of those around her and those who are less fortunate mm-hmm. than she has, who don't have the money she has or the opportunities or visibility that she has. And then also really starting like from the root. Like I really do feel like it's not discussed enough that, you know, it's all well and good and it's necessary to obviously, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, psychologically free the black people around us who are on the streets. Liberate the politi- the liberate the prisoners, people who are in their in in prisons who are incarcerated all over the world. But she's focusing on the states right now. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, because I think she mentioned that how she wasn't. She's even she's even given restrictions on what books can be sent there because they don't want to incite riots or incite um, rebellions. Mm-hmm. And I think she she named Toni Morrison's Paradise. And I was like, wow, wow, mm. wow. So, and, you know, and that's been, as someone who's also read quite a bit of Andrew Davis's work, a lot of, that's very important. It's a very important sector that needs to be focused on, like, you know, re-liberating those who are prisoners, mm. those who are incarcerated, those who are locked up, in addition to people like myself and Eden and Nick and just people around us every day. So, I do believe she will return to music, but I think that it's, I think, she probably was feeling pressure because she had been saying the album for like a good year and a half. It's mm. coming, it's coming. And I do think at one point she probably was like really into it and was really like, yeah, making another album. But I think she just kind of fell out of love. But I don't think forever. I just think it's just not where she is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I just th- so I do, th- I do believe we will get another new name project, but I don't think it'll be like next year. I think she's just going to be doing that. Because I do think ultimately what she's doing will probably breathe and inspire her as a rapper, mm. as an artist. I do believe that everything she's been doing out of music will eventually breathe life into new music one day. I can't know, because she's an artist. Mm. That's what she is. She's an artist. And I'm sure in due time. So, yeah. Yeah. And finally, I'm actually wearing my No Name shirt right now, actually. Is it fair to call you a stan? Actually, do you know what? I know you enjoy merch, so this makes sense. And okay, it makes sense. So I've been wearing my No Name shirt from the Room Twenty Five tour, twenty nineteen. Saw Shepherd's Bush, amazing show, where she hilariously asked why there's so many white people at her show. Mm. Iconic (laughs) scenes, and she said, which I'll never forget. Oh. Niggas got church on Sunday. That's why they're not here today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my girl. But yes, so that's no name. Right. So we're now going to move on to the last topic and I'm going to let Eden lead this one. Okay. So 
All right, following the kind of conversation around Travis Scott and his Astroworld performance, quite a few people lost their lives as a result of the performance because Travis Scott asked people to rush the stage. This is an ongoing story um, where Travis has been kind of put into the spotlight and taken to court, had a few allegations thrown at him and is currently going through quite a few... um, Several lawsuits several lawsuits at the moment as they try and get to the bottom of what actually happened at the event so to kind of do some damage control to have a bit of a kind of conversation about what happened he went to go and speak to Charlemagne um, where he was interviewed and kind of questioned about what happened at the festival Um, like how is he feeling has he spoken to the families quite a few questions that really focused on a what happened and b how other people are feeling about what's happened as well. So we'll go straight into how Shoppe is feeling to begin with, and then we'll kind of go to me. Why are you smiling? Anyway. So I was bored watching the interview, sorry. I couldn't make it past the first 20 minutes. I just felt it was a very lackluster conversation. Travis was just repeating himself. He just like, he like picked up a few buzzwords. Was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, have a good time. Yeah. And he just wasn't really saying anything. And then just saying, like, he just feels, like, really sad for, like, you know, like, he just wasn't really saying much. And, like, Charlotte's defense, I initially did say, why would you go to Charlotte and more people for damage control? And I have to say this, yes, he's problematic in many, many ways. Charlotte's good at what he does. And when he wants to be serious and when he wants to be um, mm-hmm. proper, he will be. Like, yes, he could definitely mm-hmm. be reckless and wild and do no research. When he does, but when he actually cares about the subject or a topic, he can be a very good interviewer. So when I realised, go on. I think we also need to remember that Charlemagne came from Wendy Williams as well. So there is that error of shock factor that has been added to his career. So Exactly. And that's definitely his thing. But like, if you actually listen to The Brilliant Idiots or even have read his book, like, and even on The Breakfast Club, when it's a guest that he truly respects Mm. and admires, he won't fuck around or he won't be stupid. But it's clear, like, when he has Lil Mama on he's going to obviously just gonna be clowning. He doesn't care. Did you say Little so, Mama? Yeah. Why are you always throwing... St- <laughs> it's always strays. But he did. But did we have to bring that memory back to the or people's jo- minds? Or, or Justin Hernandez, like, when Stevie <laughs> J, when they were on the show. He doesn't care about them. Okay. But it, what? I don't... But it's true. Okay. Abby? Okay. Anyway... So initially, I was like, why Charmin of all people? But then I realized, like, you know what? When he wants to be, he can be a good journalist. When he wants to be. Mm-hmm. When he wants to be. His it's book was great went... as well. Exactly. I agree. Book was great. I, I really enjoyed his book. Mm-hmm. It's not like he went to um, DJ Academics or something like that. Um, or is there a book by who calls him Jerry Mouse? Anywho. That was so um, rude. <laughs> that was so rude. You remind me of someone, you know. <laughs> the, whole, the whole hour she was struggling, the whole hour, she was like, oh, Jerry. Because <laughs> he was getting gassed. That's the thing. That's, That's the, the funny thing. thing. He, thought he, he was getting be, gassed. He thought it was going to be a compliment. Yeah, she thought he was going to say someone like, like, like Denzel Washington. Yeah. <laughs> she said Jerry the mouse. <laughs> but um, so I watched the first 20 minutes and I was just bored. I just felt that I'm not going to say too much about, you know, Travis's. Well, yeah, I don't think Travis took accountability and responsibility, but also he just seemed so emotionally removed and it even seemed like his hand movements, putting his hand on his head, all the pauses, they just seemed so rehearsed, so briefed by PR five seconds before. And I felt like it did nothing for him. Like, I don't know what he thought he was going to get out of this anyway, because the lawsuits are still lawsuiting. 
to a fever pitch of a billion dollars. So they're still coming for you. But in terms of the public image, I just felt like this did nothing for you. But Charlotte actually was asking the right questions mm-hmm. and the good questions. But Travis was was just really evading them, t- uh, twisting them, not really answering directly, mm. and just kind of waffling. Actually, it was just a bunch of waffle. Mm. He was just waffling. In the words of Chima from Backchat, his mouth was just shaking. I can't believe... I can't believe just... you quoted anyway. You're just a bag of surprises. <laughs> Literally. I can't believe you've just done that. It just, yeah, it just did nothing for me. And I just was like, no. And, it, and I realized it wasn't even about who was interviewing him. It was just going to be him. It was going to be him. I thought it was good. Okay, Eden Mackenzie Goddard, your thoughts? I thought it was a good interview. I think Charlemagne was really good at kind of not attacking and trying to get the story. Like, I feel like he was really good at... um really holding Travis Scott in a space where vulnerability could be allowed, but also addressing the fact that people had lost their lives and asking the important questions, like you said. So when I was sitting there and I was listening to it, it felt like a very kind of emotional conversation. I think that was the intention. I think it was supposed to be a connection between the both of them. Like what really happened? What was really going on in your mind at the time? Did you see this? Like, what did you think when you saw this? Or did you kind of, like, did you regret putting that thing out on the internet, on Instagram, and all these questions that he asked, um, I think were very important. But I think, Shopee, like, you're right. Like, there were some sections of it where I was just like, um, like, this does kind of feel a bit kind of rehearsed. But then I think to myself, of course it would do, though. Like, it do- it would do. He's definitely been prepped. And that is something that happens in the industry because... But he was prepped, but waffling. Yeah. He wasn't saying true. anything. That's the thing. It was prepped, but and I knew it was going to be. I understand. It's the industry, and I'm also I'm a publicist. I get it. But he wasn't really is... saying anything. Like I said, I know the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes, but I can't comment. But the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, we're going to But I actually wanted to ask you, because obviously you're PR. Like, I, don't, I know you haven't dealt with kind of disaster situations. I may, I, I it, yeah, exactly. But I kind of, I'm interested in, in the, the kind of strategy behind it. Like, what is good practice? What is kind of done in those scenarios? Or I personally would have done it, wouldn't have done an interview, especially this soon. Personally, if I was looking after him, I would have done an interview because it's such a tense and sensitive situation that this wouldn't really do anything. It wasn't going to yield a drastically different perspective in how we looked at the situation. Mm. So it was like, he was better off just minding his business, staying low, staying silent, and battling the thousand lawsuits against him. Because that's still going to happen. That's the thing. Yeah. And some of the families have not even responded since this interview came out. And they're like, and they're like yeah, yeah, nigga, we're still coming for you. Boy. We still want justice for our, our son or our daughter. Is it like, even if in the eyes of the media, but even then, even all the media were picking up on the fact that he just seemed emotionless. Mm. He didn't take responsibility. And yes, there's obviously the complexity. Like, yes, obviously, you can't take full responsibility because he's just an artist, but it is your festival. Mm-hmm. Yes, this isn't wireless. This isn't Coachella. This is your festival. Yeah. And so we would assume you would probably have more say-so and more control in the other staff or the other safety requirements that may or may not be panned out. But you just seem so 
so avoidant. Avoidant. Yeah. And then like the fact that you just wasn't saying anything. And then even one thing that irritated me was when Charlotte asked him about the raging thing, he's like, raging isn't about balance, it's about love being there for each other. Like, but, but that's literally the antithesis of raging, sir. No, <laughs> I don't know Eden, if that's true. Eden, I don't know if that's true. Raging is about love and being there for each other. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but he's leaning into the camera right now. <laughs> Lean back, man. <laughs> no, all right. So this, when he how said I'm that, taking I that in, I was like, this guy did not say what I thought he just said. But how I'm taking that in is you're raging at a place you're all at because you love the ice, right? So I, I do see what he's saying in terms of love. I understand the actions in the festival are quite violent. Like you're... You're, you're running into each other, pushing each other and stuff like that. But it's because of the thrill of the music. So I do see where he's coming from. I don't see it as, as like a love thing personally, but I do see where he's coming from. That's, he does it for a reason. Like I said, being there for each other. All right, that's, yeah. Being there okay. for each other. That's yeah. what he said. Is being there for each other, tramping on each other. All right, so that is, I don't know if that is raging though. Like stepping on it. Maybe I don't know what raging is. Maybe that's the issue. But... What happened at that festival, I'm not sure, is raging. Like, jumping on each other, like, actually on each other and all that type but of stuff. But the culture of raging led to that. What, mosh pits and all of those different Yeah, it led to what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is the solution then? Like, obviously, it doesn't always have to be a solution. Sometimes, you know, life just happens and we kind of have to figure out the best way to support those who were affected. But people are still going to mosh pit at festivals. People are still going to you know go crazy at festivals what is the solution and also in terms of how do you how do you how do you protect people in the crowd like if if i'm trying to figure out the best way to say it. how do you protect people who are mosh pitting in the crowd from themselves i understand if you're not mosh pitting i understand that if you're kind of trying to get away from that circle or the people going crazy and stuff like that but how do you protect people who are actively involved in the mosh pits themselves that's where my confusion comes from i don't i mean i guess maybe i don't know i guess you yeah, have more security and have people more eyes who were just like because i've been in a mosh pit i didn't want to be one Love box 2017 in the RD, whatever. But you were in there, man. I, I really wasn't. I was trying to be out of it. <laughs> I was actually because that day was an interesting day for other reasons. Um, but um, I remember just like trying to get out of it, but that was quite controlled because there was security around us that were kind of making sure they didn't get too hectic. They're like, Yeah, okay. have your fun, kids, <laughs> whatever. But even, but even then, even NERD themselves, it's like they were monitoring. Mm. Whereas I don't think Travis was. And even then, that's something. Travis said he didn't know what was happening. I still don't, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. I don't believe that. That's fair enough. I don't believe that. I think I've seen a video at a Jack, Jack Harlow concert where Jack kind of stopped the concert because someone fainted in the crowd. I've never been on stage and looked into a crowd and seen what people have been able to see. I've never performed at a festival. So I don't know how true that is in terms of Travis Scott's experience. But, but it's also staff, though, because the thing is, there are some people who are working behind the scenes. So, yes, Travis can't obviously see what's going on on the entire crowd, mm. but there'll be staff members, or there should be, placated through... Through each section. Every, yeah. And then someone should be, okay, someone in the back, communicate to this person. There's radios. Yeah. Then go go to backstage, go tell his manager, 
they come on stage, Travis is happening. Da, 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 and then Travis can stop. Yeah, yeah. How did that not happen, sir? No, I have no idea. I've no there's definitely people who have things to answer for in that situation. Um as I, I said, my fo- my focus for. personally will always be the families that were affected by the situation. Um but saying that I I don't understand how it got to this level. And I think that's kind of the question everyone is really asking at the moment. Um, how did Travis not know? We don't know. Or if he didn't, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very hard to say. Well, that's what, those are my thoughts. I didn't watch the whole interview, though, because like I said, I was bored after 20 minutes. Apparently he's getting dragged, though, because when I searched for the oh, yeah, video, he was. When, I get, when I searched for the video on YouTube, there were three videos under it just basically cussing him out. Just like snippets of his face and then someone <laughs> reacting to it in the corner just looking at him a bit confused but yeah in terms of the emotionless thing though i'm really intrigued in that because how do people believe he should be acting do they believe he should have started crying no because if but to me it just seemed i'm gonna say remorseful because it's not entirely i mean like he didn't obviously deliberately say this has happened but he just seemed very it was like a like, numb yeah it just seemed like it seemed very apathetic there was like a, there was okay. like, i just felt no sense of empathy at all for the situation it was just like yeah okay. bro it just just spiraled out of control i just can't believe that happened like you know people come to have a good time and Never thought it would have been. They just started, just started muttering some nonsense under his breath. Um, I was like, "What? Huh? Come again?" Travis also, Travis also said in the in the interview that he, look, okay, I'm taking this at face value, right? I know there are going to be some levels to this that people are going to say wasn't true, all of these different types of things. But taking it face level, face for face value. Travis said that he's been he's locking himself in a room being sad and all like depressed and all these different types of things. If that is the case, one of the things with depression is it's it's it can be fairly hard because not everyone experiences depression in exactly the same way. But it can be very hard to show emotion. You can be very apathetic. You may seem quite apathetic to other people. This is it's really hard to say how we should have acted in this situation. Very hard. Because, like, okay, this is going very left field. But in a conversation that I was in in a group chat, we were talking about Jussie Smollett, right? And some people were saying that they the don't know... Park. Pardon me? The gay Tupac. Anyways, um, people... <laughs> People were saying they don't know if they're able to trust people like actors, for example, because, you know, it might be hard to trust someone who can cry on cue. So I'm just like, so what do we want from these people? Like, what type of reactions do we want from these people? Like you're saying Travis Scott, like people are saying Travis Scott was emotionless or kind of, you know, shopper used apathetic and all of these different types of things. What is the how do we want people to act when they go through these situations? What do we want? Like Shope said, What's actually happening in reality is there are lawsuits against Travis Scott right now. And, you know, he will have to kind of go through that and figure out how he's going to either beat those or kind of, you know, have to pay out the money he has to pay out to those families. That is the reality and you can't change that. But there's another side where we're looking, we're kind of looking at snippets and we're kind of looking at him being interviewed and we're like, whoop, his eyebrow twitched. Like, let's, 
let's let's be careful with that like what exactly do we want from that interview to be fair and i have to put this in there i only listened to about like shopping about 20 minutes of it so that's about just under half of it was kind of listened to but from what i saw i will say that charlemagne handled that interview really well and the questions he asked were really good i agree travis scott i i kind of sat there thinking this is a lose-lose situation really because I wanted to understand from Chope's perspective of the PR, who, again, I will just say hasn't dealt with scenarios that require kind of immediate action like and that. And by God's grace, I never will. Okay, exactly, exactly. But as an outsider, as someone who isn't a PR, someone who doesn't interact with artists on a daily general, um, daily basis, I look at it and I'm just like, I don't understand why this interview is happening. I, like right I said, I would, have, I would have not even done it at all. Yeah, I, I don't understand why it's happening. I don't understand kind of what the benefit is i i understood what shope was saying about why charlemagne i don't know who else off the top of my head he should have gone to and spoken to i'm smiling because i'm seeing a yandler but i, I, know. I, I know i know but in my head i was i I'm was sorry, gonna say Yandler. someone like mark lamont hill i think he would have been a good one yeah yeah he would have been would've, good he would have been good but maybe he but didn't want really- someone who would have grilled him because i feel like mark lamont hill would have you know yeah, and I guess Charlemagne's part of a hip hop radio show, so there's that kind yeah. of level. But then, like I said, speak after watching it, it wasn't even about Charlemagne. He should have been doing an interview. It just like it, yeah. it, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Oprah. Who it wouldn't have mattered. Like it's a lo- like I said, it's a loser situation. Mm-hmm. Like in as far as I'm concerned, the damage is done and it's going to continue to be done. Mm-hmm. Like your best bet was to manage your business and continue talking to your lawyer about these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, deal with what you actually, I don't can. know really what he thought was going to happen. Even if, even if I felt he did show more remorse or empathy, it still wouldn't have changed anything. In my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I think the one thing you can't change is people's perceptions. Um, well, actually that's not true. You can, that's why these ha- they have these interviews, but I think it goes back to kind of, going back to what you can control and at the moment the only thing that you can really do is you know talk to your lawyer and figure out how you're going to interact with these lawsuits but that isn't the focus the focus should be these families and kind of um making sure that they get the support that they need at the moment so i don't know if there's anything out there about travis scott families and kind of support for funerals and all these different types of things but if there if there's anything out there please send it to the podcast so we can spread the word about that on all of our socials or even just on the podcast in itself um because that is still something we need to think about lives have been lost and yes money and charges and all these different types of things are something that plays a part in our reality because we're a capitalist society and that's how you kind of get remorse from people um but their lives are something we need to make sure we focus on as well so just want to put that across as well and just say as always rp to all of those who lost their lives and we're just going to keep following the story and see what happens. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Shopee? I did not. Cool. So that is the end of the episode. And I didn't say in the beginning of the episode, guys, we apologize for not releasing an episode last week. Our schedules just clashed. We weren't able to do it. Um, but yeah, as always, we're done at the stands. Thank you guys for listening so much. Um, please check out all of our socials. So D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Please share your recommendations. Make sure you you interact with the poll. So go back to the poll if you skipped it. Just let us know your thoughts because this will put an end to a debate that's been going on for three years now. Um, 
And yeah, that's pretty much it for today's episode. So we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And the next time we'll speak will be closer to Christmas. And hopefully this Omicron thing will be a bit more organized. But you know, that's a bit hopeful. Enjoy your week, guys. Peace.